morning, everyone. It's a privilege to open God's Word with you, and lately the Lord has been directing me to some Old Testament passages and some Old Testament characters that I think we can learn a lot from. Times are getting worse for Christians in America. I think we'd all agree in this last couple of weeks I've been looking at some of the most recent examples of things going on that we don't hear about on the news that much but nonetheless they're happening. Here's one example. Florida ministry told to choose between Jesus and helping the poor. For 31 years a Christian ministry provided food to the hungry in Lake City, Florida without any problems. All that changed when they said a state government worker showed up to negotiate a new contract. The state agricultural official told them they would not be allowed to receive food unless they removed portraits of Christ, the Ten Commandments, a banner that read, Jesus is Lord, and stop giving away Bibles. Franklin Graham, the president of Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, and the Families International Humanitarian Organization, Samaritan's Purse, said the IRS notified the organization in September that it was conducting a review of their activities for tax, for the tax year. California Christians found not guilty of reading Bible near government offices. They were reading outside a motor vehicle place in Hemet, California, and were brought up on charges, but they were found not guilty. That was okay. Colorado Baker faces year in jail for refusing to make cake for a gay wedding. Air Force veteran faces a court-martial for opposing gay marriages that he would not perform them. Government forces churches to get permits for baptisms. The Park Service uh, had a new policy saying you had to apply for a special permit 48 hours before you do a baptism. Florida professor demands students stomp on Jesus. Antagonistic professor and one brave student at Florida Atlantic University told by his professor to write Jesus' name on a piece of paper and stomp on it. Otella defiantly refused and in retaliation, disciplinary action was started against him. That's just a few examples of things going on. We don't see that on the headlines, do we? We'd all agree things are getting worse. Times worldwide continue the downhill slide as human trafficking is now boasting a revenue of 35 billion a year and 20 to 30 million human trafficking slaves worldwide. Ethnic cleansing continues to escalate in Africa. ISIS is encouraging Palestinians to launch terror attacks and killing Jews. Kids in America and in Al-Shabaab, Kenya, are killed when they profess to be a Christian. That's a few of the examples. The list could go on and on. But when we conclude things are bad, God said, look at Noah's world. So we're going to look at Noah's world. We think things are bad now, and they are. But what about Noah? What about his testimony? What about the stand he had to take in times that were so bad that God regretted making humans. Genesis chapter 6, join me. 
And we're going to look at a few passages in Genesis 6. And in Genesis 6, beginning of verse 1, we look at the pre-flood world. What's going on? Genesis 6, beginning of verse 1. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful. They took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things, and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. And then we look down a little bit further, beginning of verse 11. The earth was also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So the Lord looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. It's quite a description we see going on. We know things are going downhill worldwide and even in our country. But I praise God every day he wakes us up because we have an opportunity on this earth to reflect Jesus' light and be salt in a world that desperately needs an answer, and that answer is Jesus Christ. When things are bad, 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 what do we do? Well, we're going to look at the testimony of Noah. We find three things we must do, and four things actually we must do when times get bad, as we're going to examine some snippets in the life of Noah and learn from that what we can do today as well. The first thing we as believers must do when times get bad is shared in chapter 6, verse 8. A little short verse, but a snippet in Noah's uh, life. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We must receive God's grace. Do we need it today? Everything going on? As we live in this world day to day, we need God's grace. Noah found grace. The original definition, it denotes a free and spontaneous willingness to bestow good on him that is destitute of it, either in a way of kindness, a way of compassion, show favor, mercy, pity, as an act of previous goodwill. It's used of God to express his free and tender affection to those who have no merit or deserving it. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So I was thinking about God's grace. And again, don't be afraid. I'm not going to sing. I sing in my Thursday Protestant service with the inmates, but we make a joyful noise into the Lord, and that's fine. But there's a couple of songs, old hymns, 
Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. And then that last verse, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. And then there's that song by Fanny Crosby. Saved by grace, someday the silver cord will break, and I no more as now shall sing, but oh the joy when I shall wake within the palace of the king. And this is what always gets me, because she was blind by an accident that happened to her as a young girl, Fanny Crosby, but recorded all these words that we sing today. She says in the chorus, and I shall see him face to face. She sees him face to face today. Amen. We need that encouragement, don't we? So we see here we must receive God's grace. Noah found grace in the midst of all this going on worldwide and in his own area where he lived. Everything going on, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We must remember that. Every day must say, Lord, thank you for your grace. I couldn't get up this morning without your grace. I couldn't go to work today without your grace. I couldn't go fight the line at Publix or whatever it is (laughs) without God's grace. So much to be thankful for. Reminder of God's grace, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's God's grace from beginning to end that we're saved. It's nothing we deserve, nothing we can merit or brag about. It's all of God. So we need to say thank you every day. This, is, uh, this verse is the first occurrence in Scripture of the word grace. In the midst of the whole world, catastrophic living in sin and corruption and everything imaginable going on that's evil, we see grace. God's grace. Commentator Henry Morris comments, In sovereign mercy and by the election of grace, God has prepared the heart of Noah to respond in obedient faith to His will. Noah wasn't spared just because of his good works, but we are reminded in Hebrews 11:7 By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. John MacArthur shares, God made it clear that Noah was a man who believed in God as creator, sovereign, and the only savior from sin. He found grace for himself because he humbled himself and sought it. That's a struggle, isn't it, in the world we're in? Humble. We're supposed to, the world says, walk around like a proud peacock and show your feathers and everybody will be impressed. God says, no, get on your knees and serve me. And if I ask you to wash feet, you wash feet for me. That's putting God first. I told a young man, an inmate, uh, earlier this week, I said, if God isn't first in your life, nothing's going to work said, wow, I, I, no wonder I can't do it. He said, chaplain, I've been trying hard to get over this alcoholism and I can't do it. I said, give it to God. 
Humble yourself before Him. Let God do the work in you that God's name can be praised. Noah stood alone and walked with God. Remember Enoch in Genesis 5? He had a godly testimony. When you looked at his life, people would say, he walked with God. I could see it every day. He didn't give up. Noah isn't giving up here. Noah was righteous, complete, mature in his faith when all around were every sin imaginable was happening. Noah and his family, eight people who trusted God, in contrast, it's estimated at least there were one billion people on the earth. And here's Noah and his family. Only ones walking with God, serving God. God gave them that undeserved grace. That word but indicates there's a contrast between the world and everything going on there and what was happening in Noah, his family, and himself. We desperately need God's grace to go upstream against the evil world around us. That's the only way we can. God's grace in the midst of evil must be quickly received by us with open arms. How difficult would it be to walk among everyone on the earth and your family was the only one who honored God? Part of the grace we have in America is to have fellowship with other believers, for intercessory prayer of our brothers and sisters, for praise and worship together here at Lakeside, for encouragement as well as admonishments when needed. What a privilege we have really to live in America. Amen? What a gift. We must accept, we must receive God's grace when it comes to keep going like Noah did. The second thing we must do when times are bad is shared in chapter 6, verse 22. Look over a few verses. The last one of chapter 6, the last verse, says, Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. We must be obedient to God. Things are going crazy. Everything's breaking loose. We must remember God wants us to obey Him. Obedience isn't easy, and in Noah's day to obey God was definitely a minority viewpoint. Noah's obedience is reflected later on in chapter 7. It says, Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Two by two they went into the ark. So those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded them, and the Lord shut him in. Even though obedience isn't easy, God commands it throughout Scripture. Abraham, Genesis 12, it says that God told Abraham to go, and I will show you where you're going once you get going. And it says in it says in chapter 12, it says that Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. He didn't question God. He didn't say, God, this doesn't make sense. I, I've, I've got everything established here. God said, go. I want you to go now. And then I'll show you once you get going where you're going. Elijah, in 1 Kings 17.5, it says, Elijah went and did according to the word of the Lord. He obeyed. 
Jesus in Romans 15.9, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man Jesus' obedience may be made righteous. Plan of salvation. The struggle even that Jesus had in the Garden of Gethsemane from a human standpoint, droplets of blood in the struggle, but he said, not my will, but yours be done. Stuck with the plan. Jesus didn't have to do that. I shared with uh, one inmate, uh, I think it was Thursday. I said, you know, Jesus could have got off the cross any time. Could have called millions of angels. When he had that crown of thorns crushed on his head, when he was mocked, when he was beaten so they didn't recognize him, when they scourged him, he could have said that, I'm not going to do it. But he did. How can we measure that? That's, that's God's unconditional love. That's Jesus' unconditional love for us to provide a way that we could be saved. 1 Samuel 15.22 says, Has the Lord his great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. God wants us to obey him. He he demands it. If we are His children, we should every day say, Lord, I want to obey You. I want to follow You. I want to do what You have directed me to do in Your Word. And I remind uh, the inmates on Thursday afternoon when I do a, a service with them, I remind them we can never repay what God did in saving us, can we? But we have one chance, one journey on this earth to serve God here on this earth. One time. And so every day is a gift. Isn't it? We wake up in the morning, we say, God, thanks for waking me up. I say, God, how can I serve you today? Help me not to bring disgrace to your name, but rather to bring honor and glory to your name. Are we perfect? No. I I praise God every day. He doesn't give up on me. Because I stumble. I don't, every divine appointment, I don't always do it all right. How many here do? I don't. I stumble. But God doesn't give up on us. Praise God. He doesn't throw in the towel. He doesn't say, I've heard enough prayers of John Schroeder. I don't want to hear him anymore. Busy signal. No. Not with God. And I praise Him for that. Obedience is tough. It's challenging for children and grandchildren. Ephesians 6.1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Every week on Wednesday, the kindergartner kids, especially in Sparks, they want to test that. My leader said do that. I've learned this. God, I don't know, kind of gave me a special insight with these kindergartners especially. I can kind of look sideways. I kind of watch them. I'll say, you know, you need to go do this, uh, Billy. And I'm looking to the side kind of like this, and they're kind of looking at me. Uh, is he going to endorse this one or not? Or Is he going to back this up? And then I'm kind of looking sideways, and most of the time they go ahead and do it. But once in a while, I'm sure Commander Steve can attest to, they kind of test it a little bit. Are you going to back it up? You told me to obey you. One of those examples is the five count, those who work in Awana, 
That, that's a big thing, right? They start talking and, and messing around and doing things they aren't supposed to. Suddenly the one goes up. And then another leader, the other leaders put up the one. And two, never want to get to five. Two's really as far as you want to get. And they're told that they are to stop and they're to look at the one given the count and to stop talking, stop doing what they're doing and listen. That's obedience. That's teaching kids obedience. With regard to building the ark under God's specifications, Noah did it. He obeyed God's instruction sheet to the letter. (laughs) I got to thinking about this, instruction sheets. When our boys were little, how many ever got those toys that you had to assemble? (laughs) Say, I don't need that. I can figure this one out. And then you got five parts left at the end. And some of those are pretty important ones. God gave Noah an instruction sheet to follow in building the ark, and he did it with God's help. But he did it in the midst of the world just crazy in sin. Things going every direction but toward the Lord. Obedience to God in our country may bring on persecution, but should we expect less because Jesus faced suffering and persecution? He was wrongly treated. Acts 5.41, after the apostles were beaten for sharing the gospel, it says they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. They said, you said I can't share the gospel. God has told me to do it. I will do it. Not to bring on any glory to me, but to bring glory to God. Because people need the Lord more than ever in America. As things are slipping away, I have seen a more desperation from those around. They're trying anything. We have the answer. We can share Jesus is the answer. He is the way the truth, and the life. We have fellowship with other believers. If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Noah and his family chose to obey God, and I'm sure they suffered for it. Maybe at the open food market or the camel auctions, whatever was going on. I'm sure they suffered for it. That they chose to follow God, obey God, amidst of everyone else not. How much are we willing to sacrifice for God? If we were asked like some of the students at that college in the Northeast, are you a Christian and a gun was pointed to your head, what would we say? Some of them, it cost them their lives. That happened. That's not something made up. Ten years ago, we'd say, well, no, that'll never happen here. Yes, it did. I pray our obedience isn't dependent on what others are doing, but our focus being serving our God and Savior to follow Him no matter what. Three Jewish captives stood before Nebuchadnezzar and they said, even if we aren't spared being thrown into the fiery furnace, we still won't worship an idol over our God. How much courage did that take? Obedience to God. 
Psalm 27.1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Who's more powerful than God? No one. So when we put our trust, when we obey Him, no one can defeat our God. Greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen? Third thing we must do when times are bad is shared in Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. The flood has happened. Now we see what happens with Noah. Chapter 8, verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. We need to be thankful to God. I think sometimes we are so overly blessed in America we forget to thank God. Noah and his family survived the great flood. They built an altar to say to God, thank you for sparing us. Again, God's grace. Deliverance from the great flood. Dr. John Davis, a commentator, shares it was no accident that the first deed of Noah in the new world was to build an altar to the Lord and to make burnt offerings of clean beasts and clean fowl. Noah's devotion was not at all surprising. He had already distinguished himself as a man who walked with God and whose faith was unwavering. Again, they survived in the ark. God closed the door. And they made it through to the other side. They lived through it. And they're thankful. Henry Morris says, Noah gave thanksgiving for deliverance from the corruption of the, the world then and the preservation through the flood. Do we thank God at the end of the day and say, God, thank you for helping me through the day? We ever have those days, not probably like Noah to that extent, but where we have days that don't seem to end. We say, God, thank you for getting me through. I couldn't have made it without your help. I couldn't have made it without your strength and your promises that are true. We need to remember to do that. We should celebrate Thanksgiving every day of the year as God continues to deliver us from situations we never would imagine would come up. But God's there. He's got us in His mighty right hand. No one can snatch us out. God's got us. Examples of believers include Corey Ten Boom. She should have died in a gas chamber, but they messed up her paperwork. Praise God. That wasn't an accident. God was watching over, and he, she's with him now. Daniel, Daniel 6.22, after being thrown in the lion's den, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Mike Schott, one of our missionaries here at the church, when his life was threatened while ministering in Africa, gave thanks for his deliverance when he could have died right there. But God delivered him. We think times are bad in America and around the world, but I can't imagine Noah's time. Much worse. 
Once the flood waters had subsided, Noah and his family were given the command to repopulate the earth once again. And it says God's response to the altar Noah built smelled a soothing aroma, literally a smell of satisfaction. God relieved their immediate apprehension by promising never to have a global flood again. And what's that sign that we see? The rainbow. We think of God when we see the rainbow. Say, well, that's just some combination of prism of light. or No. I think of God every time. When we lived in Colorado, I remember one rainbow was driving through the mountains and the rain had just ceased. And the rainbow was in between the mountains. I had never seen that before. All the colors, God's reminder that there would never be again that global flood that had come. But Noah and his family were delivered. They were thankful. You need to always be thankful again for all the times God delivers us. All those close calls on the interstate or sometimes turning off Sunset Point into the parking lot. All those close calls, God's watching over us. Know that? Say, thank you, Lord. That semi didn't hit me. Or that person behind me braked in time or would have hit me from behind. All those little things. Say, well, I kind of take it for granted, don't we? But those are times God continues to deliver us. Fourth thing we must do when times are bad is shared in chapter 9, verse 1. Again, these are little snippets out of Noah's life. Fourth thing we must do when times are bad is we must receive God's blessings. Chapter 9, verse 1. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Blessed means a bountiful gift. Think for a moment of all of God's blessings in our lives. All the things God has blessed us with. Brothers and sisters to walk this life with, our families, our friends, our freedom to worship, to name a few. This last Thursday I asked in, in that service with the inmates, I said, what are some of the things we need to pray for every week? This one inmate says the same thing, friends and family, friends and family. I think that might be important to him. He's thinking of friends and family. We have our brothers and sisters here at Lakeside that we can walk with. And that's a blessing. Noah didn't have a congregation there to walk with when everything was so evil in the world around him. We have that. Those are things I think we just kind of figure that's kind of normal. It's not normal. It's a blessing. God blessed, placed bountiful gifts on Noah and his sons. They would have the privilege to be fruitful and multiply. A recommission of Genesis 1.28 toward Adam and Eve. We have this covenant with Noah and his sons, and that's laid out in the rest of chapter 9. We're not going to read 2 through 17, but all of these are blessings from God. God's bestowing this on Noah and his family. Because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These eight people were survivors 
of the great flood. One and only time a flood would cover the earth, now they are blessed by God to repopulate the earth. Henry Morris, who's a scientist on biblical creation, shares the authority to execute this judgment of God on a murderer was thus delegated to man. As we look down at verse 6, whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed. For we are in the image of God. He made man. There's a reminder. When we think about And this all applies to me as well. When we think about how can I get back at that person, we need to think that person's made in the image of God too. Even though I'm not focusing on it real well at the moment. We all do that. We all battle that. But God says remember that. Life is precious. It's one of the areas we as a country have failed with abortions. All those young lives. But we need to value, we as believers need to value and show to this world it's important. Life is important. God blessed, placed bountiful gifts in Noah and his sons. There's this covenant, verses 2 to 17. We receive God's blessings today out of God's grace and mercy. We don't say, okay, Lord, I'm first in line. I deserve a blessing. We're declared righteous. Why? Not because of us, but because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. God the Father looks at us. He sees Jesus. Jesus says, I paid for that man's sin. I paid for that woman's sin. And He declares us righteous because of Jesus. What a privilege we have to live in America. The, the freedom, as, we, as Joe shared even earlier, the freedoms we have in this country aren't enjoyed by many, most people around the world. The freedom to gather like this. And again, I'm so reminded again, Noah stood out. Why? Because he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He stood out when everything was crazy. But he and his family stood out because they decided out of obedience to follow God. And that might be up for us someday here in America to choose. Are you going to quit going to worship with other believers? Are you going to deny your faith? Are you going to be executed? That could happen. We don't know. It could be thrown in jail. Our church has seen its members blessed in many, many ways. And as we receive God's blessing, we must always remember to say thank you. Luke 17, I I bring this up quite often because it reminds me the ten lepers who went to Jesus and asked for healing. In Luke 11, 11, 17, I'm sorry, Luke 17, 11 through 19, Jesus said, go and show yourself to the priests and be declared clean. And they took off to the priest. One of them stopped. He turned around and he said, I need to go thank Jesus. And he went back and he thanked him. We need to be the one out of ten that remembers to, to go back and thank Jesus. Many, many blessings that we have. Blessings like 
God chose us. He didn't have to. He chose us. He made us alive so we could respond to the gift that's being offered through Jesus Christ. He saved us. Christ intercedes for us. Every time Satan says, oh, I saw John Schroeder do this over here. Jesus said, I paid for that sin. Case dismissed. I'm thankful he's interceding for me as I think all of us would attest to. Romans 8.34 says, Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Acts 1.8 reminds us we have God the Holy Spirit to teach us, to help us apply God's Word, to help us understand it, that we can walk with God day by day, like Enoch, like Noah, who lived in very, very rough times, times filled with sin. We must receive God's grace and thank God for it often as it's God's grace that any of us were chosen, saved, and preserved by Jesus. Grace we don't deserve but can only receive. Obedience to God's Word is what God expects of us and God gives us the strength to do it. We choose to obey Him on a daily, hourly, sometimes minute-by-minute timeline. We must ever be thankful for God's deliverance in our life. Luck isn't a part of our lives as believers. And those close calls are often God's deliverance or sometimes it's God's discipline because He loves us. When we think times are getting bad, we need to remember Noah's testimony. We need to remember to receive God's blessings because grace and mercy are something we can't say, okay, I'm going to get eight blessings today because they're from God. He chooses where He gives them. The fact that any of us get any is grace and mercy. But when we think things are getting bad, let's think of Noah. Everything worldwide was in chaos. Sin was rampant everywhere But he and his family remained faithful to God. God was always faithful to them as he is with us today. I just hope this can be an encouragement to you that even when things continue to go downhill, God has us here for a reason. We need to be that remnant. We need to be that believer that says, God says, speak up, we speak up. We say that's sin, that's wrong. And that we can encourage each other as we face persecution in the workplace. That we can encourage each other stand firm in the Lord like Noah and Enoch. And they definitely could have just said, there's too many against me. When we have God on our side, there is no group that can defeat us. Because God is all-powerful. God is supreme. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for the reminder of Noah. These snippets in his life, Lord, remind us that even when things are getting worse, getting more challenging in our country worldwide, Lord, you're with us. Praise you for that. Thank you for saving us and keeping us.
Thank you, Lord, for helping us to to do what you've commanded us to do. We can't do it in our own strength. We can only do it with yours. Lord, help us to be obedient. Help us to be faithful as you are faithful to us. Thank you, Lord, for what you are doing. And I just pray you'd encourage each brother and sister here today. Walk with you, no matter what the circumstances are. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.